good, good news coming out of Philadelphia today. The annual Philly Naked Bike Ride is back on. Yes, it was postponed or even really canceled last year due to the pandemic. But August 28th, it's going to be back on the 10-mile Philly Naked Bike Ride. Yay! Yay! You're going to be able to traverse the streets of the city of brotherly love for three hours, passing by the sites of the Liberty Bell, Independence Hall, that are all popular tourists with families. And that's good because you'll be able to see naked bike riders biking through the streets of Philadelphia for another year. Now, there is one rule to this year's Philly naked bike ride. Uh, sure, you don't have to wear a shirt or pants or underwear, but you will have to wear a mask. <laughs> that is unbelievable. Now, I know that might change they said that, uh, you know, hey, we know the city has lifted most of its COVID-19 rules, but, you know, we still have to do that. And, you know, it may change. We, you know, you might in the future, uh, it may change. But right now we're following the guidance. Are you? Are you following the guidance for the Philly Naked Bike Ride 2021? But sure, you can be, you can be naked as a jaybird but be sure to wear a mask. <sighs> welcome, welcome to Chewing the Fat. I love the fact that the Fully Naked bike ride is uh, promoted as a riding together to promote fuel-conscious consumption, positive body image, mutual aid, and cycling advocacy. Yeah, that's great. I mean, they do realize that their bicycles are all made with modern petro technology, right? I mean, they, maybe they don't, maybe they don't. Anyway, it should be, should be a blast to follow that on social media as they traverse the streets of Philadelphia for another year. Can't wait, cannot wait. So, a great story coming from Brooksville, Florida. Well, I mean, it's not a great story for the city of Brooksville. I love Brooksville, Florida. I worked in Brooksville, Florida for, uh, for a couple of years at the 1450 JB Country when it was a country station in downtown Brooksville. Uh, I believe I was uh, Alan Jeffries at the time, Saturday, Saturday evening, Saturday nights, and Sunday afternoons at uh, 1450 JB Country. Steve Manuel was the owner. I think he's still the owner, although I'm not sure. Uh, nice man. Uh, really, really nice man. Anyway, uh, in downtown Brooksville, they sold a building underneath their water tower in the city. But come to find out, uh, part of that building property was the water tower. So the city no longer owned the water tower. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, we don't need it. 
It's just the water tower of the city. You do what you want with it. So this guy bought the building at the base of the water tower because he wanted to... It says here he planned to build the gym. I don't know if he still does. He bought the building and the water tower for $55,000. And he said that uh, there seemed to be more to the description than he was asking for in the purchase. But, you know, whatever. I just wanted to spend my $55,000 on the building. I didn't care about the description. So then they you know, went down to the county property appraiser's office and the appraiser said, yeah, you know, you're the owner of the town's water tower now. Oh, really? Okay. So instead of selling it back to the city, he just uh, gave it back to the city. He transferred ownership of the tower back to the town. I would say that was pretty nice of him. I was pretty nice to Bobby Reed. Uh, I would have at least asked for, uh, maybe, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, tax, tax help, uh, for the next few years, maybe, uh, sell it back to them for, I don't know, $55,000, something, but no, he did it back to them. Now people are a little, a little wound up, uh, you know, and the city manager said, oh, it was an error. It was by a botch legal description. We're human. You know, sometimes we make a mistake. The uh, city council member, Blake Bell, very unhappy, saying, uh, yeah, well, we temporarily lost the tower and we lost permanent parking because the building has the big parking lot there. So, I mean, maybe, maybe he is going to rent the parking lot back to the city. Uh, That'd be a way for him to make a little bit of his money back. Blake, I'm just here to help. That's what I'm here for. Uh, The only person that uh, lost their job, well, I mean, he resigned, was the city redevelopment agency's director. Oh, so the city of Brooksville had a redevelopment agency director. (laughs) Okay. All right. No problem. Perhaps you need to know what you're redeveloping when you're part of the agency that's supposed to be redeveloping the city. Anyway, uh, just a good rule of thumb for cities around America, uh, specifically uh, in Florida, when you want to sell some uh, property and sell some buildings that are close to your town's water tower, you might want to make sure the town actually owns the water tower. And uh, the town, well, the town did own the water tower and the building and the parking lot. But now they only own the tower. I wonder if they have to build a separate road to get to the tower for maintenance or if they're just going to give Bobby some extra cash to drive their trucks onto his property for maintenance of the water tower. Wow, what a nightmare. I mean, that's just dumb. Brooksville, that's just dumb. And maybe that's the reason that, you know, the uh, redevelopment agency's director uh, quit because he realized, uh... Even in Brooksville, that job is too much for me to handle. And if you're looking for a gig, there's one. Uh, The city of Brooksville is looking for a director of their redevelopment agency. I can tell you that. I mean, there's plenty of people uh, still looking for work. I know the vegan food company that touted social justice uh, went ahead and laid off all its workers without notice. I know. No evil foods based in North Carolina, claims that it uses food as a force for good. Yeah, well, we're going to lay everybody off because, uh, yeah, we are not making any money. 
Sorry, the reality of the situation is the company has essentially um, run out of money. And now we're forced to make some really big and really difficult changes, said the CEO, Mike Walansky. Uh, It's coming down to whether or not there will be a no evil at all. But for right now, for you people that are working here, yeah, there is no evil because you're now laid off. Sorry, take care. I mean, South Dakota has uh, shut down a wind turbine plant. So we've got no evil foods and a wind turbine plant just uh, shut down. Uh, Oh, there's only 300 workers and their families. That's all. Don't worry about it. I know, look, it's, uh, you know, and those, all those jobs for the Keystone Pipeline. Don't worry about it because you can go apply for the job in Brooksville, Florida, Or I see a story that's talking about all the election officials around the country that are quitting because they don't want to be responsible financially and or legally if there's some sort of issues. So after facing threats and intimidation during the 2020 presidential election and its aftermath, uh, county officials who run elections are quitting or retiring early. And so those those are open. If you are working for the vegan food company or the wind turbine company in South Dakota, look for those jobs. You come to Brooksville, maybe you look for the redevelopment agency or you go ahead and uh, become an election official around the country. You can, there's plenty of, you know, job openings. You just have to look in particular states that you want to live in and say, hey, do you need an election uh, official? Because I'm here for you. I need the gig and I'll run the election for you. Okay. Sure. Sure. If something goes wrong, you might be financially responsible in Iowa. They, uh, have imposed a $10,000 fine. (laughs) Uh, if that's a technical infraction of election rules, don't worry about it. In Florida, uh, you may be fined $25,000 if a ballot drop box uh, is accessible outside early voting hours or left unsupervised that's it though uh in texas the uh, you know it may be a crime for local election officials to send voters unsolicited absentee ballot materials which you know if you're an election official i mean you should be smart enough not to do that but there are plenty of things that as an election official you would be responsible for that really you have to be you'd have to be pretty dumb to let happen, but you never know. And if you need a gig, you need a gig, right? And you don't believe you're going to do anything wrong. So anyway, you can become an election official. I'm just here to help. I'm just here to help. That's all. You know, and I thought, speaking of the wind turbine company that's closing down in South Dakota, I thought they'd be swimming in orders. I thought uh, since we closed down the pipelines and all the uh, coal and hydraulic fracturing jobs that all of those workers were going to have a better choice of jobs in either the solar industry or as wind turbine technicians. Isn't that what John Kerry, the special presidential envoy for climate said just a couple of months ago? So I'm sure he's right. I just don't see it. What I see is plants closing down and jobs being lost. But I'm sure that all these people who do not have jobs because of 
they were working in fossil fuel jobs or coal or hydraulic fracturing jobs, I'm sure that they're going to find a better choice of jobs in the solar and wind turbine area of the, of, you know, speaking of wind turbines, uh, we were told yesterday here in the great state of Texas that we needed to turn up our thermostats. The first tweet that I saw was uh, asking that residents of Texas are being asked to raise their thermostats to 78 degrees or higher and unplug electronics. <laughs> yeah, uh, hey, Governor Abbott and ERCOT, you know, the Electricity Reliability Council of Texas, you first, okay? So apparently, and you know, for those of you that don't listen to the Jackie Daly show, um, maybe you should because, uh, she has talked to the Texas, Texas public policy foundations people on her show about this exact thing. And they have said all along that it's going to happen. They thought it was going to happen this summer and it took a dry run during the winter and they were, you know, this was going to be a problem and it's going to be a problem again. You know, when you talk about not because the wind energy and the solar energy are, you know, they claim that it's going to be a certain percentage of the power, but it never reaches that percentage. So it's always lower than what their full capacity is claimed to be. So you never get that full amount. And even during the winter, the nuclear power plant was running at hundred percent. It worked perfect but it only provides 10 percent. i think that's the number 10 percent of texas power so but it worked great it was a hundred percent of the time it worked great it did what it was supposed to do but it only provides a you know small percentage of the entirety of texas power so they're asking us because of uh a significant number of forced generation outages combined with potential record electric use for the month of June has resulted in tight grid conditions. Oh no. Oh no. We didn't see that coming. Oh, uh, you know what we didn't see coming summer and hot days here in Texas. You know what else we didn't see coming? All the people that live in the state are going to be want, want to be inside using energy. You know what else we didn't see coming? The pandemic is pretty much over and people are back into businesses. So they're going to be running power at their home and businesses. So those businesses that were shut down uh, during the pandemic are back up and running. Oh my gosh. We, were they closed down during the winter too? Yeah, they were, but everybody was home and had the heat, had the heat on during the winter. You can't, <laughs> you can't know that that's going to happen. That's just dumb. So they want me to set my thermostat to 78 degrees or higher. Wow. Every degree of cooling increases your energy use by six to 8%. They want me to turn off lights and pool pumps and avoid using large appliances like ovens, washing machines, and dryers. You know, the appliances that are part of your life. Yeah, don't use those. And if you don't need something, we're asking you to turn it off and unplug it if possible. Well, okay, you got it. 
I'll unplug. Oh, I got to find something that I don't need. I don't know what that is. I'm not sure, but I'll find it. I'll find it and I'll, you know, I'll try not to use my oven in the kitchen, but, uh, you know, I'll still use the stove, which is gas, but I'll try not to use the oven. Now, what about, let's see the refrigerator. No, I need that. The freezer. No, I need that. Um, you know, I, I, there you go. I unplugged the toaster. So I helped. I'm just, I'm here to help. It's not funny though. Cause if the power goes off, that <laughs> is not going to be fun because it's going, it's already close to the fires of hell here in Texas is just the beginning. I mean, it's just the fires of heh right now. And uh, it's soon to be the fires of hell, the full word. And if without air conditioning, oh man, oh man, that is not good. That is not good. You can quote me on that. Uh, in the fires of hell summer of Texas without air conditioning, that is not good. And without power, let alone air conditioning. I mean, we're going to have food and refrigerators and freezers going bad. And, uh, I don't know if you know this, but when food, the one thing that was good about the winter power outage is at least we could put the food in a cooler and set it outside and it kept the food, you know, frozen or at least fresh. Uh, you can't do that in the summer. Uh, just so you know, uh, you need refrigeration to do that. So it won't be a good good thing at all for anyone and any state to not have power and it was just incredible we live in amazing times and you know we are so far ahead of the world and developing countries and every day it seems like we're getting closer and closer to living like someone in a developing country and i don't like it i don't like it not one little bit sam i am so Let's go to the break room and drink something ice cold thanks to refrigeration. It's not going to be as good when it's warm, I'll tell you that. But until then, we'll just enjoy it. So I started getting uh, requests in at uh, ChewingTheFat at TheBlaze.com for uh, movies to watch to review. And, uh, the first one that came in was, uh, Hey, sounds like you watched some bad movies this weekend. Uh, the one was okay. Um, I have two shows for you to check out. Both are Korean. Don't let that scare you. Crash landing on you and sunshine man. And it says, I think I told you about sunshine man before. Yeah. If you called in with a request about sunshine, man, I, I didn't get it on for you. So they are both wonderful, and the cinematography is unlike anything I've seen before. Every scene is art. From, hey, Helen, we'll try to get it on for you. Thanks for uh, thanks for requesting uh, an all-request weekend. So if you'd like to request uh, you know, a movie review, you can email chewingthefatattheblaze.com, or you can uh, tweet at JeffyJFR or Jeff Fisher Radio on Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, you know, you can request a movie to be reviewed on Chewing the Fat. Love to do it for you. Would try to get it on. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'm usually, uh, you know, we may get to it. You never know. Uh, anytime great cinematography is pushed on a movie, eh, you know, I'm all for it. But it's not the driving force of me to watch a movie. So, I mean, I'm a fan. And, 
huge fan and I get it. And I love the art of some of these, uh, you know, cinematographers. However, let me be clear. That's not the driving force behind me watching a show, but you know, that's just me. So get your request in Helen. Thank you. We'll try to get it on for you and, uh, we'll, you know, we'll see what we can do. You know, I see where a video game creator, the video game five nights at Freddy's. And I don't even know if you know the video game. I know about it because of my kids and they've talked to me about five nights at Freddy's and I, you know, from multiple times and, uh, some other things, but the guy, the creator, Scott Cawthorn, uh, refused to bend the knee to the cancel mob. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. I am a huge fan. He was attacked for donating to Tulsi Gabbard. And uh, and I guess he also uh, donated to President Donald Trump's campaign as well. So fans of the game and the game franchise uh, became hurt and they were saying uh, that uh, I guess they searched on open secrets and it showed that uh, he had made significant monetary contributions to a number of conservative politicians like Mitch McConnell and President Donald Trump. And so uh, they started beating him up on it and they you know voiced disappointment on Twitter and Reddit and saying that, uh, you know, Hey, we're, we're not satisfied with his donation to former rep Tulsi Gabbard. She's transphobic and homophobic. And they went on to say, uh, that, uh, the most damning piece of evidence against Scott Cawthorn is that he identifies as a proud Republican and yet donated a lot of money to a single Democrat, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, the most openly transphobic and homophobic democratic politicians. Okay. Really? So he was silent over the weekend, but he posted yesterday on the, uh, five nights at Freddy's subreddit, uh, refusing to apologize for his beliefs and donations and blasting his intolerant attackers for wanting endless apologies and submissions. Amen. How many times, how many times have we talked about it on this show? You never bend the knee to the rage mob. Never, never. And I love it. I, I love it because we're start, they're starting to get pushback now uh, about this. He went on to say that I'd like to think that the last seven years would have given me the benefit of the doubt in regards to how I treat people. But there I was trending on Twitter for being a homophobe, getting doxxed with people threatening to come to my house. All this because I exercised my right and my duty as an American citizen to vote for and support the candidates who felt could best run the country. For everyone, that's something that I won't apologize for. And he noted that candidates he supported included men, women, white people, black people, Republicans, and Democrats. And yes, I supported President Trump because I felt he was the best man to fuel a strong economy and stand up to America's enemies abroad, of which there are many. Even if there were candidates who had better things to say to the LGBT community directly and bigger promises to make, I believe their stances on other issues would have ended up doing much greater harm to those communities than good. 
He said this explanation is probably useless as people don't want to discuss with one another anymore. They want endless apologies and submission, but that people who are expecting those from me will get neither. I'm a Republican. I'm a Christian. I'm pro-life. I believe in God. I also believe in equality and in science and in common sense. Despite what some may say, all of those things can go together. That's not an apology or promise to change. It's the way it's always been. <laughs> this needs to be printed and put on a billboard on, in every state and city across America. Wow. Uh, I'm not afraid of being canceled because he doesn't create his games for money anymore. Wow. I do it because I enjoy it. If people think I'm doing more harm than good now, then maybe it's better that I get canceled and retire. I would accept that. I've had a fulfilling career. Besides, most things that people can take from you are things that never had much value to begin with. Wow. So he's preparing to release Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach later this year, the 10th installment of the series, which began in 2004. 14 and uh, they said that they were going to boycott and uh, then there's hashtag I stand with Scott and so I just you know Scott good for you I, I think that there's no absolutely no reason for you to be boycotted and sure some dingleberries will but good for you that is awesome that's awesome stuff right there do not bend the knee to the rage mob and scott is definitely pulling that out i saw an article with john from john lovitz where he was ripping cancel culture and comparing it to mccarthyism uh yeah i saw where kevin hart speaking out against uh, cancel culture when did we get to a point where life was supposed to be perfect kevin hart uh he personally doesn't give a about so-called cancel culture but he had quite a bit to say about it the uh he was uh, speaking about internet outrage remember he got uh, he got wrapped because from the oscars gig a couple years ago because of his old homophobic jokes <sighs> just unbelievable so uh hart went on to say that uh when you're talking someone said they need to be taken down shut the f up what are you talking about? Where people were supposed to operate perfectly all the time. I don't understand. I don't expect perfection from my kids. I don't expect it from my wife, friends, employees. Because last I checked, the only way to grow up is from effing up. I don't know what kid who hasn't effed up or done some dumb crap. I mean, hello. Lovitz went on. Lovitz continued saying that uh i'll just say it it's no different than mccarthyism uh yeah hello he said that uh, the internet witch hunts that use people's past sins or indiscretions as weapons of destruction are no different from the red scare and the hollywood blacklist of the 1950s as soon as you say to a comedian like me you can't say that the first thing in my head is oh and now I have to. Yeah, hello. Now, I, I look, you know that if somebody does something illegal or bad, they need to be held accountable. No question. But because you feel like it upset you, don't listen. Turn it off. Close the computer. Don't whatever. 
I don't. That's I. I never understood that at all. I don't. I still. I still don't. Uh, you don't like what someone says? Don't listen. Just say, "Oh, that's dumb," or we'll talk about it here. Whatever. But to cancel someone over it? No. Come on now. Come on. So I had someone message me a story, and it goes like this. A Jewish family named Karnofsky, who immigrated from Lithuania to the United States, took pity on a seven-year-old boy and brought him to their home. There he stayed and spent the night in this Jewish family home, where for the first time in his life he was treated with kindness and tenderness. When he went to bed, Mrs. Karnofsky sang him Russian lullabies, which he sang with her. Later, he learned to sing and play several Russian and Jewish songs. Over time, this boy became the adopted son of this family. Mr. Karnofsky gave him money to buy his first musical instrument, as was the custom in Jewish families. Later, when he became a professional musician and composer, he used these Jewish melodies in compositions such as St. James Hospital and Go Down Moses. The little boy grew up and wrote a book about his Jewish family who adopted him in 1907 and proudly spoke Yiddish fluently. In memory of this family, and until the end of his life, he wore a Star of David and said that in this family he learned to live a real life and determination. The little boy's name? Louis Armstrong. So it was a crowd. I was like, wow, is that true? So it made me do some, you know, digging up on Louis Armstrong. The guy led an incredible life. And it is uh, kind of true, that story, where, you know, the family, he learned to play the instrument with the family because they would sell stuff at, uh, they were, uh, you know, at the, they had a wagon where they'd collect junk and they would try to sell it, the hawkers. And he would play a tin horn to bring attention to his, you know, these people's wagon. And the, then that's where he learned and the father had, uh, the, Mr. Karnowski had given him some money to go get a horn and learn to play. But uh, anyway, and they treated him great and it was awesome. So he was, he kind of worked for them a little bit as far, because they were hawkers and they were poor. And he talked about how he saw people treating them like crap too. Uh, you know, white people were treating these Jewish people and the black people like crap. But he never made a big that big a deal about uh, the African-American struggle like many wanted him to. But he had an incredible life. And he, you know, you start reading the story and he traveled the world, really, playing music. And he was in trouble with the mob and money and he always needed money and he was in and out. He became, he was one of the first African-Americans to host a sponsored national radio broadcast on the CBS radio network. He substituted for Rudy Valley at the time in 1937. He appeared in these movies. Uh, he learned, he started singing with his gravelly voice because his lips were screwed up because he played the horn, you know, wrong. He played it his way. And, uh, you know, he had his, his lips and tongue were starting to hurt. And so he started singing and moving, you know, doing something different, which was huge at the time. And he, you know, it's just an incredible life and an incredible story, Louis Armstrong. So, I mean, it is a true story, but it was, uh, you know, that story is based on a true story. 
there's a few other little intricacies in there that aren't really 100% true. But Amazing Life, man, Amazing Life. He was born in New Orleans in 1901 and just, you know, led this incredible life. And like I said, I mean, he toured the world. And at one point, he was touring the world under the U.S. State Department with their sponsorship, which, you know, that's where he earned the one nickname, Ambassador Satch, the great Satchimo. He talked about how he had such an international fan base, but the the young jazz musicians, like, you know, Charlie Parker and Miles Davis, they all thought him as a vaudevillian-style musician. And, uh, you know, he was just, uh, you know, an entertainer, a half-stage entertainer. And he, they called the, you know, Chinese music, bebop music. And the one story while he was touring in Australia, he was asked if he could play bebop. And he said, bebop, uh, I just play music. Guys who invent terms like that are walking the streets with their instruments under their arms. <laughs> uh, just, a, you know, tremendous stories about Louis Armstrong. This guy, again. I just I'm I'm continually amazed at the great lives these people have had and these performers and so many artists have had and we continue to try and tell that try to say that in America and the United States is not a country where you can succeed and it most definitely is. Another example would be, let's say you're the daughter of two big Hollywood stars like Demi Moore and Bruce Willis. You're their oldest daughter, rumor, and you're an actress and you've done some work. You were born in the, uh, in the great city and state of Paducah, Kentucky, USA. But let's say you really want to be a poet. You're the daughter of Bruce and Demi and You've done some acting, but you really, you really want to be a poet and you really want to be a Instagram poet. And so you take a picture of your legs up in the air and you decide to write a poem to your legs. And it's actually a letter to your legs, but it's more of a, it's more of a little poem, a little thought, a little, a little, a little honor to your legs. Dear legs, I know you're busy walking and keeping me upright, but I thought I'd just maybe, if you could spare a moment, I'd like to put things right. I haven't been the kindest or treated you so well. In fact, I've been quite awful. I'm sure it's been hell. I've been acting like a bully and call you weak and small. I think I've lost perspective because you've never let me fall. So in this early morning sun, I hope to make a vow to express my gratitude for all the things you do, all the times you've held me up and carried me when I didn't think I'd be able to. I promise to be kinder and give some love to you. You are beautiful and strong, whatever size and length you are. I'm sorry I'd forgotten that. Sweet legs, I love you just the way you are oh rumor that is beautiful just beautiful and i'm i'm so glad that you shared some positive body positive poem 
just, oh, it's heartwarming. It's heartwarming that you have appreciation for your legs. I will say that uh, my legs uh, have let me fall before. And so, I mean, while I appreciate thanking them, I'd also like to know, what the hell? How come you don't, you know, let rumor fall, but you let me fall? Don't, don't answer that. I know the answer. I'm not sure how to help, but I'm willing to try. The Girl Scouts have said that they are, well, they're short on sales this year, and they have 50. 15 million boxes of unsold cookies. I don't know. I don't know how I could help, but you know, don't throw them out. <laughs> send them, send them here and I'll, you know, I'll take care of them for you. So they sell around to 200 million boxes of cookies a year. So that's about $800 million. Wait a minute. 200 million boxes of cookies and that's 800 million so that's four dollars a box uh i think i spent like five or six but anyway doesn't matter whatever uh they still have 15 million boxes of unsold cookies so i don't know what they're gonna do they've tried to have you know tried to sell them and they you know because of the pandemic they had a real problem according to this they have a 12 month shelf life so they're either going to donate them or they're going to sell them. I, I guess you can't really give a, give it like a buy one, get one or, you know, buy one, get four or kind of deal because then you get into the fact that, well, maybe next year we just say no to the first round and wait until they go on sale. Right. I mean, not that I would do something like that, but some people would, some people would say, well, if they don't sell them the first round, they're going to come back and give you a deal later. And that's when we'll get them. I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. But, you know, maybe just donate them, I guess. Donate them to, you know, the homeless shelters and the church shelters around America. And just say, here's some Girl Scout cookies and, you know, love them, eat them, bless your hearts. Next year, there won't be as many. This year, here's a bunch. Get full on cookies. I don't know. I don't know. Or just send them to me and we'll figure something out. Uh, 15 million boxes of cookies. Uh, you can quote me on this. That's a lot of cookies. And uh, man, that's also, you're going to need a lot of milk. Uh, a lot of milk. Because uh, maybe maybe you eat some of the cookies without milk. But most of them, most of them, you have to have a little milk with them. That's just the way it is. You just have to. And it's un-American not to have milk with them. So anyway, good luck to the Girl Scouts. Because I know that. You know, it's a real, real issue. No, seriously. I mean, they make a lot of money from those cookies. And if they've got uh, that many unsold, that's a lot of money for the chapters to be without f around the country. So, I mean, how they're going to raise, that's a big fundraising thing. Anyway, just, uh, you know, good luck to the, good luck to the Girl Scouts. So I see where now we're having a problem. And we talked about this happening that uh, the airlines are battling what they're calling a scourge of passengers traveling with falsified COVID-19 health certificates. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, they're required 
to uh, uh, by many countries on arrival COVID-19 test results and now we're finding out that uh, these fake certificates are being used in multiple countries from France to Brazil, Bangladesh, Afghanistan, border control authorities and police forces have also reported arrests of people selling documents in the UK, Spain, Indonesia, Zimbabwe. Oh, okay. So what do you think will happen now that this is becoming a thing? Do you think that they're going to have to mandate and make a vaccine passport? I, you know, that's just, just a thought. I mean, for sure it's going to happen because more and more places are mandating that you be vaccinated and you're going to have to prove that you are. They're just not going to take your word for it or they're not going to your little business card that says you were vaccinated two times. Oh, okay. All right. I know where California is saying, yeah, you know, fully vaccinated people uh, starting today, I think, are going to be allowed to do pretty much everything they were doing before the pandemic without needing to wear a mask. Sure, you can go to the grocery store, you can go to the gym, you can drink at a bar, you can see a movie, go to church. And, you know, if you're, even if you're vaccinated, though, you're still, (laughs) I mean, don't get crazy. You're still going to have to wear a mask in the hospital or prisons or homeless shelters or or while traveling. (laughs) And if you're indoors at a kindergarten school, but you're going to be able to do everything that you could do before the pandemic with that, you know, except for those things, uh, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to, you don't have to wear a mask. Now, of course we need to remain vigilant. Yeah, no, no problem. And as far as what might change for businesses and vendors, well, there's going to be an update, an updated guidance that's explained in areas where unvaccinated people are the only ones required to wear masks. Businesses and venue operators, uh, are going to choose to, you know, tell patrons, hey, uh, you know, are you vaccinated or not? And they're going to have to believe you. But there's going to be some kind of uh, some kind of vaccine verification plan that's going to need to be implemented. I mean, we're going to have to determine whether individuals are required to wear a mask. <laughs> I mean, hello, you're either going to that way or you're going to have to require all patrons to wear a mask. We can't just take people at their word. <laughs> so California is going to put out an electronic system that will let businesses verify that patrons have been vaccinated against COVID-19. Well, that's good, uh, right? I mean, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's a vaccine verification. It's uh, We're looking to support uh support these businesses it's look there's no mandate or requirement there's not a passport (laughs) it's just a permit it's guidelines that help companies incorporate the system or they can decline to use it without being punished it's just we're trying to help them out and give them an electronic format to simply you know verify the vaccine cards and it's you know they can use it or not for now but we're just here to help so if you if you've been vaccinated you're going to be in the system and you'll be able to companies will be able to you know if you just scan scan your vaccine card then they'll, they'll be you know it'll be you'll be known they come in boop oh yeah you've been vaccinated you don't have to wear a mask and you can go shop all over the store boop eh, 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 eh. Boop. Ah, 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 ah. No, 
no, you have not been vaccinated. Yes, I have. I've been vaccinated. No, your card didn't swipe. There's a problem. You, you can come in, uh, but you have to wear a mask and you can't shop the full store. You can only shop over there just for, you know, this little, for those necessities we have on those shelves over there. Not the full store. If you need something from the full store, you need to be fully vaccinated and you need to have uh, proof of that. And if that's a problem, if you're telling me, I look, I believe you that you've been vaccinated. I just know the machine says you haven't. And if the machine says you haven't, company policy is I can't let you in without a mask and you can't go into the full store. You can only go over here. So just if that's a problem, I, you know, I believe you. So you need to go to the state and let them, you know, figure it out for you because we all know how good that will go over uh, going down. You know what? Why don't we let the DMV take care of that as well? They could just make sure that you have been, uh, you know, vaccinated and, you know, we'll make sure that that goes into the system <laughs> along with, you know what, why don't we just use your driver's license? Oh no, we can't do that because we don't want people to have to have a, a driver's license or an identification. <laughs> that's uh, that's racist to ask for that. Well, not for you though, not for the vaccinated people. Uh, just if you want to vote, I mean, it's the stupidest it's coming. It's coming, my friends. Count on it. Count on it. And one last thing for those of you listening live today, the 15th of June, 2021. Can I continue to not like her now? Christine, I'm in poor. Okay, so she just told viewers she has ovarian cancer. And she claims that she's likely going to be able to survive because of early detection. I mean, that's great. And it's very sad news that she has it. I'm sure that she's been battling it now for a little while because most of the time you don't want people to know right away because they all look at you different, which I'm doing now, looking at her different. I mean, that's sad news. I don't want Christine Amimpour, the network's, CNN's network's chief international affairs anchor to have cancer. I don't want her to have cancer, but I don't want to have to like her. I don't want to now I feel if I feel sad for someone, does that count as liking them? Because I think it does. It makes me think like it does. And you know, I don't want to like her because she's bad. <laughs> well, I don't want her to have ovarian cancer either, so I don't know. You know what? Fine. Get tested. Get screened. Listen to your bodies. You know when something's wrong. So don't get ovarian cancer. Get taken care of, okay? So she said she had successful surgery and you know, now she's, you know, she's on the back trying to work and everything. And gosh, darn it. I, Christine, I, I, I hope that you get better and you come through this with flying colors so you can get back on the air and I can hate you again. Okay. Does that sound wrong? Cause it, it sounded wrong to me too, but that's the best you're going to get. Oh.